Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. Week number two of Do Hard Things. Uh, last week, to catch you up, uh, if you were new with us or missed last week, uh, really challenged us to slow down, wait on God, to feel the emotions and get the healing that uh, God has called us to have. And so slowing down, being patient for the timing God has for us and trusting him that he can do more uh, when we trust him than we can do it on our own, that we can do on our own. So a lot of that's internal um, and how we process our own inner dialogue and how we relate to ourselves and our timing. Today, uh, I want to talk about something that might be a little bit extra, a little bit more external. Um, and that is walking in grace and truth. So week number two of do hard things. The thing I want you to hear today is trying to figure out the balance of walking in grace and truth. Okay. The reason it's important to do both is because we as Christians are supposed to represent Christ and that's how he came, right? He didn't come with just grace. He didn't come with just truth. He walked in both. Here's what it says in John chapter one, verse 17 it says for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's, uh, it's, it, it is for me one of the most difficult balance, balances in scripture there are. Like at what point do I, do I extend grace and at what point am I supposed to tell you the truth? At what point am I supposed to balance those two things out? Um, and uh, when am I supposed to cry with you, uh, sit with you, and when am I supposed to solve it for you? Men, this may be a particular issue for us. We want to solve the problem. We want to fix it for you. And sometimes marriage trick, just ask, hey, are you, are we just talking about this? You want me to solve this for you, right? Because we, we're ready for solve mode and they just, they just need somebody to be there sometimes in that relationship. And so uh, what I want to look at real quickly is uh, a moment that Jesus does it, exemplifies this moment of grace and truth the best. Um, and it's a beautiful moment where um, Jesus is doing what he's doing. He's in the middle of his ministry and and all of a sudden, a group of men show up. And the group of men show up, and they decide to really test Jesus, but also get the justice they think that should happen in this moment. And they're testing Jesus because they know what the Old Testament says. And what they show up with is a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. They show up with her, and they are like, Jesus, guess what? You get to decide what happens to her because you know what should happen. The Old Testament says that she should be stoned to death. So let's do that because we caught her in the act of adultery. There's several of us that saw it. So we just want to be very clear. We understand what the truth is. We understand what the law is. We understand what is written and what should be done in this moment. And so uh, they kind of throw her at Jesus' feet and uh, they ask that question trying to test him. Like, all right, what are, we, what are you going to do here? Are you going to fulfill the law that you came to fulfill? How are you going to handle this? And uh, Jesus kneels down and writes in the, in the, in the dirt one time. Um, and then he asks him this question and kneels down a second time to draw on the dirt. No one knows what he drew. It's like kind of the, one of the greatest mysteries of, of Jesus' time. It's like, what did you draw in the dirt? What did you write in that moment? Uh, what did they see? Did it, was it something that was convicting to them? Um, but then he asks them this question uh, that, and tells them like, all right, you guys can stone her if you're without sin. For the first one of you that is without sin can throw the first stone at her. That's, that's the rule. Like, don't know what he drew in the dirt. Don't know if like they were, 
mixing in with the adultery. That's how they knew how to find her. We don't know the backstory of this woman. But what we know is they asked him a question that was convicting enough that each one of them dropped their stones one at a time. The things that they, they brought to bring justice in that moment for what was written in the Old Testament, they were allowed to do, that they were given justification to do. Jesus says, okay, you are justified as long as you're without sin. Whichever one of you has the ability to, to say that you didn't sin, that you didn't mess up, then you can throw the first stone. One by one, they drop it. And here's his interaction with her as he raises up from right in the dirt in John chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. It says, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This moment for her is surrounded by a bunch of men that are looking for opportunities to condemn her, like looking for opportunities to shun her, looking for opportunities to hurt her and bring pain to her. And in that moment, Jesus is saying, not my job. That's not what I came for. That's not what I'm here for. And I can't imagine the emotion that is displayed in that, right? That like Jesus has already seen enough as a religious leader that all the men bring her to him. So she's viewing him as the final judge and jury, right? Like this is the guy that they trust to tell us what to do in this moment. And for her to look up and see no one else left except for Jesus. And then he says to her, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here for that moment. So today, as we're wrestling through uh, the, the, the balance between grace and truth, I will challenge you to do the hard thing and make sure you overbalance on grace. That you spend a moment that, um, for this, what I would say is she, he made her feel safe in that moment. That everybody else wanted to hurt you and I didn't. And I proved it to you because I had an opportunity to hurt you and I chose not to. I'm here to help you. And that in this moment, if we're going to balance, if we're going to overcorrect in one direction or the other, I would overcorrect in grace. I would be t have too much grace more than too much truth. I would want to make sure that people understood that they are loved before they understand the truth of what scripture is saying in that moment. Because the truth is that they are loved. That's the truth that trumps all of it. So to, to help un people feel that, believe that, and understand that, if I were going to miss on one side or the other, I would miss on grace. Right? That's, that's my preference. If you want to talk about do hard things and you're the person who probably had a hard time last week with last week's message, you're like me. It's difficult to land there. It's difficult to hear that. It's difficult to sit in grace. It's difficult to say, I really want to tell you how to solve it. I really want to fix this for you. I really want to give you the solution. I really want to tell you the hard truth. Then you probably need to hear today, land on grace first. Start with grace. Before you ever come with truth, start with grace. Romans 2.4 tells us that, that it's God's uh, kindness that leads to repentance. Not, not his truth, not the truth, not the, not the power of his word, not that moment. No, it's the kindness of God that's supposed to be reflected through us. So if you want to see people turn, if you want to see people shift from one lifestyle to the next, if you want to see people go from where they are to the place that God has called them to be, start with kindness. That's, that's how God started. He started with kindness for us first. While we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. While we were still messed up, while we were needing the truth, he showed grace first. And so today, uh, the hard thing for you might be to start with grace, to just make sure grace is in the forefront of your mind. And Jesus, the reason I, I would challenge us to do this, because I believe Jesus does that. 
Over and over again in scripture, Jesus starts with grace. He starts with blessing them with food, blessing them with the healing, um, not condemning them. He starts with a moment of grace, a moment of safety for the person who is afraid, the person who is hurting, the person who is lost, a moment of grace first before truth ever comes in that moment. There's one exception that I can find when Jesus is on earth, and that is to the religious elite. To the religious elite, he like comes at them. Like you're like, you see two different people in that moment. You're like, hey, Jesus is all nice and cuddly and warm. And he's like, oh, the lamb. You know, he's like, he's, he's the guy you want to hang out with. And then the Pharisees show up. And he's like, woe to you Pharisees. You, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You got dead men's bones inside. You know how brutal of a, of, of a, of a statement that is? If somebody came to you and like, hey, you got like dead man's bones inside of you. That's, that's who you are. That's woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. You are the blind leading the blind. He calls them all these awful names. Like as bad as you can kind of get and still be in the Bible kind of names to these Pharisees. And uh, I would even argue that in that moment, uh, he still is coming with grace. The reason I think that is because it wasn't grace for the Pharisees in that moment. It was grace for the followers that were misunderstanding what they should be doing. It was grace for his people to understand this is not the right way. And I need you to feel that. I need you to understand the, the way they're trying to burden you, the way they're trying to hurt you, the way they're trying to lead you is wrong. And so even in that moment, I think it's grace for a different group of people. I think he's saying, hey, don't, don't listen to these guys. I need you to know that love matters more. I need you to know that their way isn't the right way. This is the way to do it. So if you're looking for an excuse to be mad at somebody, to yell at somebody, because I know some of you are in here who are like, who do I yell at then? The religious elite. That's who we're allowed to yell. You can come yell at me. I'm one of them. I'm a pastor. You can come yell at me, uh, talk about my hair, my beard, whatever you want to do. Yell at me first um, and give grace to everybody else. I can handle it. I'll be fine. I'll, I'll cry myself to sleep at night. But other than that, I'll be fine. Uh, but uh, that's that's the only time, and I think, again, that's, that's grace. So if you're going to miss it, miss it with kindness first. But that's kind of, uh, that's the, similar to last week, right? Last week, I came at personality types like mine, where I'm telling you to slow down. I'm telling you to have some emotion, some love, and some connection to some people that need to feel your emotion, right? That's a personality type where you're probably the truth person. You want to solve the problems and you need to hear today. The hard thing that you need to do is lead with grace first. You need to let some things go and love some people first before you ever have the equity, the moment, the time that you can speak truth into somebody's life. But there's another group. There's another group of you uh, that I'm here for today. The hard thing that I want to tell you today, the other group of you that are on the other side is the group that you probably have kind of wear kindness as a badge as a badge of honor. Like it's who you are. Like you're just a nice person. You're just the, you're the sweetest peach in the orchard, right? You're that person. Just, just as kind as can be. Everybody loves you. Everybody knows how nice you are. You're always so kind. You're always so graceful. And there's a group of you that might be in that boat that stop at grace. Like you, you, you camp out at grace and that's not where Jesus stays. At some point, truth has to come, right? It, you need to lead first with grace, but there needs to be a moment where truth comes, where truth shows up. He came with grace and truth. And a lot of us would love to stay at grace. It feels better. It makes us feel better. We don't have to speak any hard truths and we can be seen as kind. We can be seen as loving to the people around us because we're just a safe place for them to come and hear how it's all okay. Like with the woman caught in adultery, those of you that might wear that badge of honor and don't, want to, don't like the idea that you might have to speak a hard truth to somebody, you would have sat there with them like, I get it, girl. Come here. Come here. Shh. 
Dry your eyes. Shh, 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 shh. I don't know how you would do it. You'd probably do it nicer than that, but just shh, shh, shh. Shut your mouth, shut your mouth, shut your mouth. It's okay. It's, shh, it's okay, it's okay. Shh, stop crying, stop crying. I got you, okay? No one's here to condemn you and neither am I, girl. It's okay. Shh, 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 shh. Right? <laughs> Y'all are better at it than me. This is not my personality type, as you can tell. Um, but you would sit with her and you would, you would, you would hear her story. You would sit with her. You'd probably go have coffee with her. They didn't have, I don't even think they were drinking coffee yet. But you'd go have something with her. You'd go ha- have, have some time alone and sit down and hear her story. And you'd hear about her childhood and how bad it was. You would hear about the trauma that she went through. And you would hear it and empathize with it. And she would feel so safe with you. She would feel so connected and loved by you. And there would be that moment where you're there and you're sitting with her. And you're just like, I get it. Like what you've been through, the fact that you ended up in adultery and the fact that you're hurting marriages, I get it. Like what choice did you really have? Like with the childhood you had, what choice did you have? And you would end up in a place that felt like kindness, but instead was endorsing sin. You would end up in a place that you're the friend that they come to when they want to have a, an affirmation of their sin. And because you have so much grace, you never have a moment where you turn it into truth. Because what Jesus said is neither do I condemn you. And that wasn't the end of the sentence. He didn't stop there. He didn't stop it. Neither do I condemn you. He ended with, now go and sin no more. Look, no, no, I'm not here to hurt you. I, I want to create a safe space for you. I want, to, I want to create a space where you can feel loved and you can feel grace and you can feel mercy. But don't hurt yourself again. Don't hurt other people again. Don't keep hurting people. Don't keep hurting yourself. Don't let the trauma of your childhood, the way that your first husband or second husband messed with you, the way that your uh, family hurt you and your trauma and all the stuff that you've gone through, don't let that be duplicated in the next person you hurt, the next marriage that you hurt. In your adultery, you are hurting other people. Go and sin no more. Stop what you are doing that is hurting yourself. I love you enough to say I'm not here to condemn you, but also love you enough to tell you a hard truth that says, hey, don't do that again. Like, nah, like, like you, you are the friend that they call for grace and mercy. And today I'm challenging you to do the hard thing to give them grace and mercy, but don't leave out truth. When, when you have enough equity and enough safety with a person that they will, they're willing to call you and say, hey, I messed up again. Here's what's going on. Man, I get you. And I hear that. And I understand why you did that. But please don't do it again because it's hurting you. And it's hurting the other people that are around you. It's hurting your future. It's hurting your destiny. That you have the, the, the power, the tenacity, the grit inside of you to decide that you are going to say, like Jesus said, go and sin no more. Don't hurt yourself anymore. I would argue, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I want to make it really clear today. Uh, I don't want you to walk out of here and uh, continue to hurt people because you stay in grace. So I'm not trying to be mean to you because if you're the kind person, anything I say might be hurt you. You're like, oh, don't, don't be mean to me. I'm the nice person. But like you are hurting people. It, it is a facade of kindness when you let people stay in their sin, when you have the, the safety for them and the love and the mercy and the grace that, that, that they trust you and that you have a relationship with them and you have an ability to speak truth to them. You are allowing them to continue to hurt themselves and people around them because you think you're being kind when really it's a facade of kindness. You are afraid to speak the truth. What, when we act on fear, what I call that, we called it last week, so I'm going to be honest with you. When we act on fear and not bravery, when we act on our fear and we let fear dictate our next actions, that is called cowardice. So if I'm being kind and I'm lying to myself about what kindness is and what it means to, to love my friend that, that I've got a connection point for, what, what it looks like for me 
to not tell them the truth when I know they're hurting themselves and I know it's, I know that I love them enough and they love me enough and they understand I've, I've started with grace and they understand who I am and that I believe the best for them. When I stop there and I don't carry that over to, hey, let me help you get out of it. Let me help you stop what you're doing that's hurting you and the people around you. It is not kindness. It is cowardice. It is cowardice to, to avoid the hard conversations with the people we love. Now, what I'm not endorsing is your ranting social media posts, okay? That's not, not what we're here today. It's not what we're saying today. If you, if you go on social media and you're like, I'm about to bust some truth out on y'all right now, and you just start ranting about all the sins that you hate, and you, you know, cover up your own sins. You don't ever talk about your sins like that. You talk about everybody else's sins like that. That's not what I'm talking about. That, that's, that's really difficult on social media to balance grace and truth. It really is. It just, you just don't have the relationships with everybody, and social media receives it in one extreme or the other. It's like full endorsement of bad behavior or full hatred and truth and you don't like me, right? There's just such an extreme. How to balance that? You have to be prayerful on your own. I see crazy stuff on social media that don't make no sense to me and how we understand it and how we endorse people. I, I'm always seeing posts. Like y'all are posting stuff and I'll see y'all post. I'm like, somebody's going to tell you that how stupid you sound. Like it's not going to be me, but I'll go through your comment thread and be like, somebody, no, no, no. Y'all just endorsing it. Like I saw the silliest one years ago. Uh, she posted a video of like a ring cam and the FedEx guy had like just, it was on his hip and he kind of let it slide down and hit the step and it kind of bounced off the step, just very lightly. Nothing in there could have been broken. Like it was, it was fine. I was like, oh, that's a weird video. And then I read the post, like, how dare he? How dare he throw my package like that? I was like, throw your package? My goodness. So I was like, I'm waiting. I just knew that somebody was going to blast her. I'm like, bro, that's, He's, do, he's doing you a favor because most FedEx guys really do toss. So that dude was kind in that moment. And it was 10 or 15 comments deep of people like, girl, I know. I know. I can't believe he would do that. You better call. I would call his boss right now, get him fired. I was like, what is happening? And then about 11, 12, 13 comments in, someone's like, and he walked across your grass. I was like, we can't walk on grass right now? I how they mow your how do they mow your yard? Like they gotta walk on your yard to mow it, don't they? Like I don't know. I'm not a grass expert, but <laughs> I think it's okay if they walk across your grass every once in a while. It's not probably gonna hurt it. Uh, and I just I saw in that moment where sometimes social media is not the platform where you're gonna be balanced. She wasn't gonna hear anything I had to say, I can promise you that. And she didn't have any friends on there to balance her out with grace and truth. Most of what I'm referring to is real relationships, and most of what I'm referring to is face to face. Uh, you can't, it's hard to get nuance in text messages. It can be done. Uh, you have to really type it out long. It's hard to hear it all. And what you really need to do in a text message. And sometimes it's even difficult in the phone call. I'm not saying those can't be done, but most of what I'm talking about is probably face-to-face -face relationships where you really have a relationship enough with somebody where you can look them in the eyes, let them feel that you love them and then hear the truth of how you're trying to help them. That's mostly what I'm talking about. There's ways to do it other ways, but today I'm mainly talking about that, that moment and that you would choose to love somebody enough to face your fear, not be a coward and speak the truth. That you would look them in the eye and say, this is hurting you. And the consequences are, are worth doing it. Like the consequences of not doing it are worth it. The risk of you keeping your mouth shut is worth really speaking a hard truth when you really love somebody. Now, I would gauge something. I would gauge that my motives are love. That's the first thing. I would make sure that my motives are love as I'm coming into this conversation. And if my motives are love, and I know that this person understands that I love them, then have the hard conversation. Speak truth to that person. 
Uh, let's go back to our original <clears throat> verse uh, from last week. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you were terrified of this conversation, it doesn't say that you're never going to be scared. He says, you're not going to have a spirit of fear, meaning the, the fear is not going to dictate your next steps. What is going to dictate your next steps when you're following God is the power he's given you, the love and grace and mercy he's given you, and a clarity of thought for your next steps. The reason this is so important, the reason it matters so much is because the consequences of not facing your fear and not living out of love and not living out of compassion for the people around you is detrimental to their future and yours. It's detrimental because uh, I, I know that like I, when there were seasons of my life where I was kind, where I was trying to be nice to people, and uh, I've, I've long since forgotten about that. But um, I remember thinking that I was being kind in relationships because I was too afraid to break it off when I knew it was over. So I let it drag on way too long until I hurt the person in the process and realized I was not kind, I was cowardly. And I hurt you and your future and the people that you could have found that were supposed to love you the way you're supposed to be loved. I did that twice. You think I would learn after the first time, right? Like you're being a coward. No, no, no. I made excuses and that's what we're good at. I made excuses and it hurt me and my future relationships. It hurt them and their future relationships because I blamed my cowardice on kindness. And all it was was cowardice. It would have been better to have been perceived as a jerk and cut it off where it needed to be cut off. To say, you know what, it's done. This is not healthy. We're not, we're not good together. This, doesn't need, this isn't working. It would be better for me to have the guts to say it's over. That would be more kind than to continue on in a relationship that I know is dead and blame it on kindness. You have so many moments in your life that are like that. You have so many moments in your life where you have friendships. Maybe it's in high school. Maybe you're still in high school. And you have those moments where you, you think you're being kind to your friends, but you're really enabling them in bad behavior. Like, no, no, you don't have the guts to say, no, I'm not going to that party. You don't have the guts to say, no, I'm not going to talk about those people like that. You think you're being kind, but deep down, you're just enabling bad behavior, bad jokes, and bullying. When you really just need to be kind enough to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk like that, and I'm not going to do that. And I love you, and you're my friend, you're my boy, you're my girl, whatever it is. I love you, and I got you, but I don't want to be a part of that. That would be more kind than to sit there and enable them in bad behavior, bad relationships, bad mindsets, bad friendships to people around them. Uh, you've got friends that you know, no matter what age you're, in, you're at right now, that are hurting themselves. Maybe it's a drug addiction. Maybe it's bad relationships. And you have sat by for long enough loving them and loving them. And now it's time to have the hard conversation. Hey, did you notice that you keep picking the same type of people to date and it's not working out? What if we tried something different? What if we tried a different approach? Maybe that's not the type of man that you need to be dating. Maybe that's not the type of woman you need to be dating. Maybe you need to take a break from dating for a little season and get connected to your heavenly father and understand who he's called you to be so you understand your value and how you're called to date. Maybe that truth would be enough to help them see, like, I'll walk with you through it. I love you enough to speak grace and truth and to walk with you through it and help you out and to help figure it out. We'll pray about it. We'll talk about it. But that moment of kindness is more kind than you enabling them to relationship after relationship. It is detrimental, but you keep blaming kindness when it's really your cowardice. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your own marriage, you have maybe given up the fight. You're just like, you know what? This is not a battle worth fighting. I'm just going to let it coast. And you think you're being kind because you don't want to deal with the conflict that you're going to have with your spouse. But what you're actually doing is showing your kids what an unhealthy marriage looks like. 
What you're actually doing is not being kind to those who are watching you. You're not being kind to your spouse to enable them in an unhealthy marriage. You're not being kind to the situation at all. You're blaming kindness when really it's cowardice, when really your kids are going to grow up. See, that's that moment where Jesus talks to the Pharisees. It might look mean to the Pharisees, but it was healthy to his followers. It might look a certain way to your friends when they see you and your marriage in therapy. It might look a certain way when your kids see you dealing with conflict with your spouse. It might look a certain way, but they're going to see you setting a standard for what marriage should be. And what looks like you being mean is going to be you showing the way and the direction of what it looks like to set a standard. And you're actually being kind to your kids. Some of you in parenting. I mean, you're the, you want to be the kind parent. You want to be, yes, that's my, like, I want them to always come to me. I want them to always trust me. I want them to always look at me and be able to tell me anything. I want them to always, but sometimes, sometimes that, that facade of kindness is you just being afraid that they might say something you don't want to hear. Like that facade of kindness is you might, you don't want the, you don't want the teenager that slams the door and says, I hate you. That's a rite of passage. Like it's just a requirement as a parent to have at one point your teenager slam the door and say, I hate you. You know why it's a rite of passage? Because kids want to do crazy, stupid stuff, and somebody's got to set boundaries for them. They want to get out there and act a fool. We all do. It's like just part of our selfish nature. We want to go act a fool, and if we don't have somebody to tell us, I love you enough to say, no, you're not going out that late at night. I love you enough to tell you, no, you're not going to act like that in my house. You're not going to treat my spouse like that. You're not going to treat your dad, your mom like that. You're not going to act like that in my house. If you love them enough to tell them that, at some point, they're not going to like you, but you are going to be really kind right now. You're going to face it and not be a coward. You're going to be really kind and set clear boundaries because they may not like you now, but they will respect you for the rest of your life because they'll see. I saw it with my parents. They set clear boundaries and I didn't like it as a teenager, but I respect and love everything that they did for me. Even at the time I didn't like it. Like I, I, I loved it to the extent, like my parents were the strictest of all my friends group. They did it out of love. They did it out of kindness, but everybody I hung out with my parents were the most strict. And to this day, if I can parent half as good as my parents did, I won. I won because I respected and loved what they did because they did it out of love. They did it out of kindness, but they still set clear boundaries. You need clear boundaries for your kids, with your kids. Some of you are putting your kids in danger because you don't want to speak up to how they're being treated around certain family members. And it's time to stop blaming kindness when it's cowardice. Like they, 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 don't, they don't have to put up with being treated a certain way by everybody in your family. Sometimes it's your job to speak up and say, listen, this is not how we act in front of my kids. This is not how we speak to my kids. They're humans too, and they deserve love and respect. We're not going to force them into situations they don't want to be in. And sometimes you're blaming kindness when it's cowardice. And you just speak up and protect the ones you love and do it because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and a love and of a sound mind. How to know when? How do I know when? When do I speak up? When is that moment of, uh, uh, that I should do it? Like I should, I, should, I should say the right thing. Like when is the moment that I, I, I get to speak the truth? Some of you are like chomping at the bits. Yes, finally, tell me. Tell me like at this moment because I want to yell at some people. I got some people that I'm going to be kind to. That's probably, you probably need to hold off. But for the rest of you, for the rest of you, um, you, you do it and, and this is not perfect. And I'm, unfortunately, there's no perfect way to know. You do it when you've done everything you know, you know that you can do to communicate love and safety. Like I love you and I want what's best for you. I've got, like when you've done everything you know to do to create a relationship and cultivate a relationship with that person to say, I love you and I got you. 
And when you know that your motive is love, those are the two gauges. When you know that your motive is love, not fear, not fear on either side. I'm afraid of how you're going to respond, so I won't say anything. Or I'm, a, I'm afraid that, that, you know, like you're, gonna, you're not going to like what I have to say. Or I'm afraid that you're going to be mad at me. Any type of fear that dictates what you're going to say, it's love that needs to guide us. Once, once love is the guiding factor, like, you know what? I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to speak a hard truth to you. And what I want, want you to know, I want to be very clear on is uh, their response or their potential response, and you might, you're probably terrified of this if this is your personality and this is your hard thing. Their potential response does not get, get to dictate whether or not you're supposed to speak love and truth. Their potential response, because you cannot be perfect in every, in every moment. But I know one who was. See, Jesus was perfect in grace and truth. He's the only one that walked the earth that was. He was perfect in grace and truth. And even then, in grace and truth, the perfect, like, he's got all the speeches perfect. He nailed it. He knew how to do it. And still, people have a choice to hear the truth and get in line with what God has called them to be or walk away from you because you were courageous enough to speak truth to them. Because Jesus had someone walk away. There was a moment where um, a rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he kneels at his feet. So there's like got to be some emotion there. He kneels at his feet. He's like, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus quotes some Old Testament scriptures, you know, like the, the Ten Commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. He's like, I've done that since I was a kid. And then Jesus realizes there's a truth that this guy needs. It's not everybody's truth. It's this guy's truth. And he, he understands that this guy needs this truth. And he says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 21 and 22. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. Jesus, perfect in grace and truth. And this scripture lets us know it was in an effort to show love to him that he speaks a hard truth. Okay. Look, Jesus doesn't tell us everybody. Zacchaeus and other portions of scripture tells about a portion that he gives away. And Jesus says righteousness and salvation has come to this house. But for this guy, Jesus knows the truth he needs to hear. And he does it in love. And he speaks love to him, but he speaks the truth to him. And still he walks away sad. The worst part about all of this reality and this hard thing that you're called to do is that some people are still, when you've done everything you know to do, you've given all the love, all the mercy, all the grace, they're still going to walk away sad. They're still going to walk away. They're still going to be upset at you. They're still going to blame you when you did everything perfect. You can't even know if you did it perfect like Jesus did it. But you are going to have to choose to do it anyway because you trust God and you fear God and love God more than you trust and fear and love other people's opinions. Because this guy walked away sad. What, what chance do we have to nail every single one? What chance do we have to every single person we win over and convince them that the right ways? They've spent years creating defense mechanisms to justify their sin. Years creating defense mechanisms to keep going in an unhealthy direction. And we think that we can be the savior. That's not our job. Our job is just to give them a chance. Our job is just to, to love them enough to give them a chance to walk towards Jesus or walk away. The reason it matters in this scenario that they might walk away because it's probably going to happen to you is because you don't want to look at Jesus and know that you didn't give somebody a chance. Like there were people that missed salvation because you were the one that God sent to speak truth to them and you didn't give them a chance. You didn't give them a chance to hear the goodness of God, the mercy of God, because you spent too much time and grace that you never showed up with truth. I remember a moment where I missed it. 
where like I knew I missed it. Like I, I wish I would have given the person a chance to be mad at me because I could have maybe, maybe, I don't know how they would have responded, but I could have maybe saved them from some heartache. And uh, there was a, when I was in student ministry, there was a drummer of ours and he just started into a new relationship and they were madly in love with each other. And I knew I was supposed to have a conversation. It's just like, just something on my heart. So like, have a conversation, help them set boundaries, come alongside them. They knew what they were supposed to be doing. Um, and probably about a month later, about a month after I knew I was supposed to have a conversation, kept putting it off, making excuses. I was blaming, you know, my kindness as coward or this kind of thing. Uh, and I knew I was supposed to say something. I knew I was supposed to have a conversation, a loving, kind, truthful. But you know what? I don't know what he's going to say to me. Like, he's going to be like, don't, don't talk about my relationship. I do what I want. We're going to do what I want. So I didn't have the conversation. I shied away from it. And I remember so clearly a conversation in what we used to call the foyer of the church. And he said, hey, man, my uh, girlfriend's pregnant. And me and him knew, because we were close enough friends, knew what that meant. He knew what that meant, knew the standards of playing on that team, knew the standards of what it meant. He knew that he was living in sin, that he wasn't supposed to be doing that. He knew that what he was doing was wrong. He knew that he got caught doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing. Like, we were already on that page, so we both knew what the consequences were in that moment. And my sadness was as much for, for the heartache that they have to go through. Like, they didn't have to go through. Like, they're in a good spot now. Like they're married, they have a great family. So it's like, it didn't cost them long-term, but maybe, maybe I could have saved them from a few years of heartache and trouble if I'd had the conversation a little bit earlier. I'll never know. I'll never know what their future could have looked like. And, and the sadness in that moment was me looking at him, feeling sad for the consequences, but more so knowing that it was my bad. Like, like it was on me. I, I don't know how it would have turned out had I had the conversation, but I don't get to know. I don't get to know. I don't get to know what their future looked like had I had the guts to have the conversation. I don't get to know what that looks like. And that moment on was like, have the hard conversation. Love people enough to speak truth when the moment is open. When you have the relationship, when you have the equity with them, speak truth to that person. Love them enough to have a conversation. Walk alongside them. I've had moments after moments where it's gone both ways. I've seen, I've seen moments where it's like prayerful, thoughtful. I came in with love and grace and mercy. And it just didn't matter. They had already had all their guards up. They weren't going to listen. They wanted to do whatever they wanted to do. And there were consequences of those choices. And I had to watch them walk away. And I've had moments where I've sat down with somebody and said, hey, man, you, you keep talking about something you know you're supposed to do. And you're not doing it. it. At what point does that become sin? And it clicked for them. And the light bulb comes on like, oh my gosh, I got to change. And they make adjustments. I've had both moments, but what I can tell you is that I don't want to ever have the moment where I know I should have had the conversation. And I, I didn't because now I'm the one that walks away sad. So you have a choice. You're either going to give them a chance to grow or go. They're either going to get the chance to turn towards the goodness and the mercy and grace of God in this moment of truth conversation or they're going to walk away sad. You give them the chance to do whatever they're called to do in that moment. Give them a chance or else you're going to walk away sad. Or you're going to spend the rest of your life sad, not knowing whether or not you could have made a difference in their life. Not knowing whether or not you could have changed something about the direction that they were going. You could have prevented some heartache and some pain. Because God has given you, not the spirit of fear. Let's take another look at that verse. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What I know is that the spirit of God has given you the ability to speak in love, that there are some relationships right now in this very moment that you're thinking of that it's time. 
It is time. Like you, you got it locked in. You know, you know, you know it's the one because you're afraid of, to admit it's the one. Right now in your head, you're like, "Oh, I need you, not that one, because I can't, because like I got this thing and I gotta have lunch today, and that's gonna be really. And then I got tonight some other stuff, and that TV show I gotta catch up on. Then I can have the hard conversation. That's the one, the one you're avoiding, the one you know you need to have. You're gonna pause for a moment and be prayerful and know. No, no, God gave me the power to have it. He gave me the love to have it, and he gave me a clarity of thought. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. One of my favorite verses. Because it, it tells us that if you want to win them over, if you want to give them a chance to really hear from God, and you want to speak truth into somebody's life, that you're going to be wise that you're going to have wisdom. James tells us that if we will pray for wisdom, he will give us wisdom. What you're going to do, if you got the conversation, you got it locked in your head, you know the conversation you're supposed to have, you're going to pray and think and, and, and meditate on this conversation until you get to a place of love. And you're going to ask God for the wisdom. God, I know I'm supposed to have it. Give me the peace. Give me the, give me the confidence that you've called me to and help me to be wise in what I say. And what I believe is that you will give somebody a chance. Because, see, we don't know about the rich young ruler. I don't know which direction. Like, after Jesus died and rose again, maybe he comes back. I do know about the prodigal son, that the dad let him go his way, and he had a chance to come back. You can either endorse someone's bad behavior and watch them die in their sin, or you can have the conversation with love and give them a chance to maybe walk away, but that also means they have a chance to come back. That also means they have a chance to hear truth. That also means that the pain that they've been going through isn't a pain that has to be duplicated because you had the guts, you had the power, you had the soundness of mind, you had the wisdom of God in your life to speak a hard truth to your kids, to your spouse, to your friends, to your loved ones. You didn't wait any longer. You said, God, this is mine. These are my people. These are the ones I love and I can't wait around and watch any longer while they hurt themselves because you have called me to speak a hard truth. So today, my prayer for you is that you no longer Blame your kindness when it's really your cowardice and that you speak up, speak the truth with thoughtfulness and prayerfulness and the love and power and sound mind God gave you. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.